We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And really fun game tonight. Uh, this is my favorite game of the season so far. Lakers beat the Rockets 120 to 102 to move to eight and three, best record in the NBA. 5-0 on the road. Uh, this was the hardest the Lakers competed in any game this season, at least for the for the longest. Really fun game. Darius, uh, we had fans in the crowd for the first time. Uh, I don't want that, but I do think that it probably contributed to some of the juice that Mike always talks about, right, uh, of just kind of having that, that umph. Um, I love this game. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'd love to hear where you want to go with it first, man. So I'm going to let Mike talk about Anthony Davis because before we started to record, Mike was already sort of just like peppering us yeah, with that's with, good. With, that's with good, like context, talks, yeah. Right. So I'm going to talk about a different guy who returned after not playing in the last game, and actually he hadn't played in four games, and that's Contavious called Well Pope. Um, I thought KCP gave this team a real boost tonight. Wes Matthews didn't play and I thought KCP speed and his runouts and just his shot making, those were all sort of things that hadn't, you probably don't understand how much you miss them until they're back in the lineup. And so much faster, so much faster as a team. Well, one of the complaints I'd had recently about the Lakers is that they were just playing slow. They were just playing slow. And that's really not the identity of this team. Um, mm-hmm. they have a bunch of athletes, man. Like I understand Marcus Saul is not the same athlete as like Dwight Howard or 
or a JaVale McGee. He is not a gazelle. He is he is a brontosaurus, right? But those outlet passes, man, he's one of those guys that can facilitate your team's speed. No, he definitely can, but no one was streaking out like that. And so just from an energy and a competition standpoint, like the Lakers looked so much better this game than probably the previous six games combined. And the overall level of play was so high from several players. But you look at the box score and it's just like AD was great. THT was great. Montrez Harrell was great. But then you look at some other guys, it's like, oh, okay, well, Schroeder was three for 10. And the Lakers shot 34% as a team from three. To think that they looked this good and there were still areas where they could have been for real better is also... Like, oh, this was a great win, but also encouraging for some of the stuff they left on the table. So so that was sort of my big takeaway is, is that, man, that was fun. And also, can you imagine if four or five more threes fall and all of that? Mike, though, talk to me about Anthony Davis, because before we started to, to record, you were just like, I thought this was a great AD game. Yeah, so I'm if I can, I liked your KCP point so much that I'm going to piggyback on that and then get Pete's thoughts. And then we can do a whole little mini AD section because, uh, you know, it was, as Frank Vogel called it, an identity win, uh, which I think I saw Pete already tweeted would, would be the the title of this podcast. And that's true. And AD was the biggest part of that. But the KCP thing was interesting. So I was doing some prep for this one and I looked at fast break points because the Lakers destroyed Houston in transition in the playoffs last year uh, there. It was, I think it was, I, it's in my article, but I think it was like 83 to 31 or something like that. 84 to 31 or some margin that was about that big. And this season, their fast break points were actually down uh, pretty considerably about three or about four points per game. And so I asked Vogel about that before the game. And the first thing he mentioned was KCP. It's like, well, we haven't had KCP for four games. He's the guy that, that does a part of the ignition of that. And then I asked KCP about it. We had him for the Spectrum pregame. And he said, yeah, look, I love that's a big part of my game. I, I love running corner to corner. I love getting out ahead, giving uh, giving players an option to kick it out. If, if they run down a transition for that kick out three or he likes to get the leak out layups, he likes to get the transition pull up three. And LeBron then at fast forward, they play like that. Pete. And then after the game, LeBron says, is asked about KCP, what you guys miss the most? And he, he says speed. And it made me think back to our preview podcast that we did. And we were kind of figuring out where do guys rank. And, and the thing that we said about KCP that's underrated is that's it's so valuable to have a guy like that next to a LeBron in an AD. And, uh, and I think so that all of that's all of those things mold together um, as a key in, in where we started here with KCP. Yeah, very much so. It was so nice to have him back. And to that point about speed, um, I didn't love Kuz at the two, at least with the starters. And I think part of it is because of that, like Kuz is fast for a guy his size, but he's not fast for a two, right? And so the collective foot speed of that lineup where you have Kuz in there rather than KCP is significantly different. And you just saw a, a lot more of that in as KCP was reintroduced into the lineup. It just kind of connected some parts and, and pushed the tempo, right? That, that, really had uh we'd been missing that component i think ac coming back too kind of helps speed us up as well with those second units and, and and all that but really you know you go to the ability to put pressure out on the perimeter we were really fantastic on the defensive end and kcp is so central to 
Vogel's schemes on the perimeter. And I thought Schroeder, as he struggled on the offensive end, was tremendous on defense tonight. And having both these quick, darting, fast guards that are really aggressive at fighting over screens, it really provides a certain style of play defensively that... Mark is slow, but if you have everybody else around him with a great deal of, of foot speed, he can be back there getting those strip blocks, making those outlet passes, and it converts to that corner-to-corner stuff that Mike was talking about. So, yeah, just what what is that speed in a broader sense, Darius? Speed on a basketball court, how does that, how does that impact the game specifically? I mean, just in so many ways, man. Like, the Lakers are able to close so much more ground defensively Like one of the things that AD had talked about um, after the Spurs loss was sort of this idea that the guards still sort of don't, the new players, especially who are in the lineup, who are all guards basically, except for Trez, they still don't quite understand some of the second and third rotations that they're supposed to make. And, and we've been seeing that defensively, but quickness and speed can cover up for some of that stuff. Also, like we often talk about spacing and stretching the floor within the context of half court offense, right? And the idea of, okay, this guy's in the corner or this guy's above the break and that's going to allow driving lanes for LeBron or, or it's going to allow the ability for, um, for AD in the post to have more space to operate, right? Because these shooters are sort of sprayed out around him. What we rarely talk about is stretching the floor within the context of the transition game and the full court game, right? And speed plays a big element in that. And not only speed from the guards, but speed from your big men, right? Like if they're able to push up middle lane and then you've got KCP running hard to one of the corners and then you've got other guys filling the wide lanes as well and the ball in the middle of the court suddenly the defense is really spread out across the entire court when the ball is still moving and there's not a lot of certainty into which direction the ball can go Yeah, defensively, you aren't matched up yet, right? You're in a scramble situation. You're not with your feet set in your shell defense, which is when everybody's kind of operating on a string. And so that's when you're at your most vulnerable. Yeah, and and so when you have fast guys that are getting up the court and sort of stretching you out like a really fast wide receiver who just keeps running go routes, right? And then so now the safety is like back three more yards or five more yards. Well, that space that is being allowed to the ball handler now who is pushing the ball up the court and that freedom of movement that is allowed all over the court, that allows you much better scoring chances before that defense is set. And if you then have a defense who is miscommunicating or they were maybe cross-matched and so they're sort of looking like, where's my guy? And am I in the right place? And am I picking up the right man? Or we're communicating now. And so you see this all of the time in sort of early offense or transition situations where guys are pointing, right? Like defensive players are pointing in transition like you got mine i got yours i like this is me you go there those are the things we weren't doing much in the first 10 games as well we made a lot of mistakes in transition defense yeah in exactly that way the lakers were and so they were getting pressured 
in their own transition defense. But the Lakers are at their best when they are pressuring your transition defense. And it doesn't have to be just LeBron and a classic fast break, right? It is KCP pushing to the corner or AD, I thought, one of the plays that was killing the Rockets this game is Christian Wood shooting those top of the key threes and AD closing out and then just leaking out right after that, right? And, and getting layups because of that. And, and, and so all of that speed and all of that quickness, it just elongates the defense in a way that is problematic then when you have real strong paint attackers the way that the Lakers do, especially with Braun in early offense or straight up transition opportunities. So Anthony Davis started nine for nine from, from the field. Um, yeah, Mike, I thought you set it up well about like kind of the, the impetus for us playing a game like this and Vogel talking about that identity win, like it is so vital to the identity of the defense. And this kind of plays into a story that's been unfolding over a few games. Yeah. And last year was interesting in one way, because I felt like LeBron really was the one that set the tone defensively. And then AD was great too, but he was sort of playing off how LeBron was leading the Lakers on that end in a way. And then AD continued to emerge. And by the time we got to the postseason, I thought AD was more of the clear defensive leader and just the destroyer of all offenses in the four matchups the Lakers had. Then to start this season, it was so interesting because you had both LeBron and AD had shared the same narrative. That was, okay, short offseason. It's going to take us a while. You know, give us a minute. I can't believe the regular season's here. And then the season starts, and LeBron, just probably because it's muscle memory and because he's so he's so established and great at this kind of stuff, he, he still is, like, almost as impactful as ever while not being in that full engaged playoff mode. And AD, I think, came in with a similar mindset and, and wasn't quite able to get himself to that same level of impact as LeBron was. And, and there was a juxtaposition there. And, and honestly, maybe that, you know, folds LeBron into the top of the MVP category, uh, which is a whole nother thing. Anyway, we get to tonight. AD, this goes back to the Spurs game. AD shares that, all right, like enough. This is not Laker defense. I wasn't good enough. Team wasn't good enough. Not having it. Then he doesn't play in the Chicago game. The Bulls just shoot right from the perimeter. Levine and Kobe and White are making, uh, taking turns, making shots. And then, Fast forward to the first quarter of this game, and AD is just everywhere right away. He's at the rim, blocking shot. He's he's rotating over. He's pointing out uh, switches. He's communicating. Uh, KCP's getting steals that are running. Then on the other end, he doesn't miss anything. In mo- it was mid range. Is at the rim. So this was the this was the destroyer AD game that we got familiar with in the postseason that hadn't yet really come for a full game at least in uh, this regular season. And yet the Lakers were seven and three. Uh, coming in and and now and now they look like the Lakers again so that's a long-winded way of explaining it but I do think that's that's why it's kind of an identity win because when when you have a player of that caliber just really going hard on defense and everything else just fall everyone else on the team is like okay uh oh like Darius says on Twitter oh okay he's ready he's ready Darius (laughs) oh um look I thought that AD was just tremendous defensively he had a closeout block on a three against pj tucker where it was like oh my goodness where did you come from he just blocked out the sun basically in in blocking that shot but you're right mike he was everywhere defensively and he was making every rotation and he was 
he was active in a way where I thought too, I Houston is an interesting matchup because of the fact that they, they isolate you so much that they almost force you into switches. One of the ways that AD has been struggling this year is when, and I've said this a few times, is when he's not the center of the frame defensively, when he's sort of just camping out there, sort of like weak side or hanging out above the break and, and just sort of not involved in, in the action at all. But Houston was running you, you know, more pick and roll than what they typically have in past years, especially last year, now that they have a more pick and roll heavy big man with Christian Wood. And AD was getting sucked into the action a little bit more. And then he ended up on switches, which is against John Wall, switches against James Harden, switches against Eric Gordon. And those are the types of plays that ignite him as well, right? Because that's mono and mono defense. And AD is almost always going, like when you talked about Braun with muscle memory, that's where the muscle memory is going to kick in for Anthony Davis as well. Like, oh, the guy with the ball is in front of me. Well, guess what? Like I'm going to try to eat that dude alive. Like he's not going to score score on me. And he gave up some buckets, like a couple layups to John wall who looked good tonight. Um, but for the most part, I thought that level of engagement that the rocket sort of invited with him, um, really played into that idea that he was going to, to be more engaged this game regardless. Right. But I thought the Rockets played into AD's hand specifically a little bit, maybe a couple of comments from Christian Wood a week ago too may have done that as well. Right, Pete. That's right. Yes. And got games circled on the calendar. Like be careful about that. Uh, I actually, one of the things I loved about this game defensively from AD and from the team in general was that off the frame type of defense is with Harden and wall, the Rockets were so drive and kick centric, right? Like that ability to attack the front of the rim off of the dribble, get to the basket. And you have to be able to close out. And sometimes that means you're closing out to the corner. Sometimes it means you're closing out to the wing. And then the second guy needs to be able to read opposite, right? Meaning that whichever way the first guy, person, the first guy closed out to, you close out to the other one. You want to chase off the three point line with a guy like wall. There were a couple positions where you want to close out short to wall, right? Where if you can get a hand up, like you're fine with him shooting that catch and shoot three, especially if he's catching it over from the side, right? What you don't want is him to blow by you and get a layup or, or compromise your defense. And I thought like the execution of, oh, that's Eric Gordon. We're going to close out hard to him. But, oh, that's John Wall over here. We're not going to close out as hard to him. Just a lot much better attention to detail and it got us deeper into our rotations uh in a way that it was a nice reminder of what this team can be not just ad but the team in general on the defensive end so just a, a really fun really fun game uh one of the best parts on a long-term basis Taylor horton tucker was phenomenal in a very competitive game so let's take a quick break we're going to come back and talk about young tht's best game as a pro If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. That's bwhustle.com backslash join. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Mike, THT on the defensive end, man, like he's growing so much. We'll talk about the 17 points, the career high and all of that, but he looks so much, he looked like he belonged out there in real competitive. That was one thing I loved about this game is Houston was going hard this whole game, right? We had a couple of ejections. It was this like really super competitive game out of nowhere at four o'clock on a Sunday. I was like, all right, we're doing this today. Right. And THT Mike looked like he belonged in that environment. And I couldn't be more excited. Darius has a look on his face right now, like a proud father. (laughs) (laughs) I could share that with you guys. Uh, So THT, you've heard his name come up before on this podcast and the way that so somebody asked LeBron about him in the post game and LeBron called him a sponge. And I got to speak to THT last week and have yet to, uh, to put the interview out. I'm hoping to do that either one of the next two days. And he had hinted at that, that he, he doesn't talk much 
in practices and film sessions, but he listens hard and focuses. And LeBron said that if you tell him something, he can put it into action quick, which is always a good sign on a number of things. But most of all, to me, intelligence, Uh, somebody that can listen and then apply that shows that your brain is able to catch up to your body. And on the defensive end, he, he was able to do a lot of, now he did get called for four fouls, but he was able to do the kind of reach at the right time to get steals. And then he also has the strength. He has the length, he has the big hands and all that kind of stuff. So that is a, it's not, he's still not making all of the great reads all the time off the ball and all that kind of stuff. I know, I know we don't need to, you guys are shaking your heads in agreement, I think, but it's just the, (laughs) yeah, the, the talent there is evident. And then to be able to turn like the fourth quarter is the, is the nice little pocket, right? So LeBron eventually goes over the bench and AD goes to the bench. THG rips dudes twice and then goes down and just easily saunters his way to the hoop and finishes with the reverse. It's just though, it's like the complete thing right there. The 20 year old continuing to grow up before our very eyes. And I, I, it's a, it's like the Lakers have had a bunch of guys miss games in the backcourt and no problem at all. We keep saying it. KCP out. Okay. It's fine. Uh, Shooter's the one guy that hasn't been out. Wes Matthews wasn't there today. Uh, Caruso missed his three, four games. And here's CHT stepping in yet again. And it's just impressive. And it, it's a it's another reason why the Lakers ceiling is that much higher this year than it was last year. During the game, I have a new little nickname for THT if he's going to keep defending on the ball like this. He's going to be the cookies monster. because <laughs> Nice. <laughs> because this dude is cookies. The play that I thought sort of exemplified the effort of this game was Eric. So THC had gotten called for a foul against Eric Gordon earlier during the game. He had reached in untimely and the ref called a foul and THC was sort of arguing about it. Like, uh, like that wasn't it. Right. Like, like, so later on, Gordon tries to drive right by THT cookies, man, poke that ball away. Caruso floor burn, right? Dove on the ground, came up with, with the loose ball, kick, kicked ahead to THT. THT saw that he was sort of even with Harden, right? And he looked at Harden and then he stared at the rim and he said, I'm yamming this. Now, if Harden goes mm-hmm. up with me, I'm going to yam on him, or at least I'm going to try, right? Harden sort of veered off. THT threw the ball down. And it was sort of one of those energy plays where it was like, all right, like we're in this one, but where he's excelling Pete is on the ball as a defensive player. And he had a clean takeaway from Gordon on, on another drive, right? Like I, I can't wait to see whatever clip that you find after you get your post game clips, right. With, with, was that a clean rip or did Gordon fumble at some, but it looked like she just reached in and ripped the ball away from, from mm-hmm. him pretty easily. Right. And, and, and so the on ball steals, the, the learning how to deploy the physical tools that, that he has, this is a theme that we've been talking about with him pretty much since he started to break out during the preseason and Ooh, the head ahead passes too. Yeah. He's to, yeah. He's got that in his bag all of a sudden watching, watching yeah. LeBron. Yeah. And, and so all of this stuff is, is like, ah, look at this kid. Like he is, he is turning into something. And look, Volga went to the all clutch lineup. 
at one point, right? And and so it's it's a <laughs> no, but seriously though, it's it's Braun, it's AD, it's Trez. So we haven't really seen that trio out there a lot within the front court, and then mm-hmm. in the back court, it's it's THT and it's KCP, and that is when you think about the skill sets that are on the floor with that group. That's a super intriguing group, right? On both ends of the floor. It 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 allows Braun to still play more point, but THT has enough ball handling to sort of be a supplemental guy for him. Obviously, Braun is on the court offensively too and defensively. So you've got Braun, you've got AD there, and then you've got KCP doing all the st- all the KCP stuff that we talked about earlier during the pod. And if that's a lineup that can show something on both sides of the floor that's a super interesting physical big group that um has some potential to do something pete yeah you can throw ac into that mix as well right and what i've loved about tht's growth over the last couple of weeks is so a couple things his on-ball defense he's a, a playmaker on defense right like the type of guy that can create turnovers that can create fast break opportunities he's going to make mistakes uh off of the ball but he's improving there too while eric gordon isn't like a gary trent type of shooter he is a relocator he is a guy who's going to get his pull up step in threes in transition is going to be able to play off of guys like wall off of uh harden to get open looks and i thought tht did a phenomenal job of not letting gordon get free off of the ball and that's where that's the place where early in this uh the the first few games of this season when he got run it was like yeah tht is not an nba caliber defender at this point but these are great reps for him and he's gonna it's progress is always you always say Darius it's not linear it's gonna be a two steps forward one step back type of process but to see the difference between how he defended a Gary Trent versus an Eric Gordon off of the ball and then you combine that with his on-ball playmaking abilities was just really remarkable uh just really a remarkable bit of growth and that quote about LeBron man that says it all well, that's that's just one more thing to touch on. All of what you just mentioned, which is of course true, defensively and off the ball and stuff. What we've learned from LeBron, from Vogel, is that he wants to learn and he's going to learn. And yeah. there are so few twenty-year-old NBA players. Period. I don't care how smart you are that really get NBA defense. I mean, I, look, I've been covering the NBA yes. for a long time. I still don't one hundred percent understand all of the concepts and you know and when to Same. switch and when to hedge Same. and you know like there's 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 stuff like there's a lot of stuff there um to really get it especially because it changes every year like coaches are out there nick nurse is out there and they're adding stuff and and then you have to figure out how to do that and it's like so that's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. that's it's a zero-sum game in that sense so like i it's just it, that part of it is exciting as well but as we've said with tht it's already more than good enough for him to be on the floor uh, in games that matter. And the last point before uh, Darius, I want to kick it to you. Um, I, I think we want to get into Trez a little bit. The Rockets to me, they're, they're just different already, right? They're just, it's not the same team as it was, as we knew it was going to be. And now, so sure. you can almost, I, I don't, I'm not saying that you can cross them off the list completely for, you know, a team that you might see, but it's not, I didn't watch that game and think, okay, wait, well, you know, that, that could be an intriguing matchup that the Lakers are going to have to get to no. in the postseason. You know, so that, that's a, 
that in it just on its own is is something that we can kind of keep chalking up in the big picture as as uh, as we think about the Lakers hope to repeat. Yeah, I thought that Houston looked um Wood especially, I thought did not look ready for what was coming for him this game. He had some fumbled passes. Uh, I anticipate him playing better the next game. He he's he sort of started to find his stride in garbage time, which if garbage time has any use for players, it's it's exactly that. It's why sometimes mm-hmm. coaches will leave their good players in during garbage time if they played particularly poorly because he wants them to be able to start to find a flow and, and what did that late but in the competitive portion of the game, I thought he looked overwhelmed at times. He definitely had some good moments too but just fumbled passes some bad turnovers um really looked shaky with his jump shoe shooting when he missed a couple in in a row and the fact that the lakers were then scored in transition right right out of that so you're right mike they did not look up to the level that you would want them to look up to considering it was a it was the lakers are coming in and they're at home and there actually were some fans in the stands and just real quick with Wood, I think the reason for that is AD and also Marcus All. That you're not going to get a better two man defensive combo if you're a guy that likes to the rim, bro. Yeah. Oof. And then you had Kuz, you had Kuz, you had THT, you had LeBron all coming from behind also yeah. to contest. But like that's, that's, I don't know if there's a big man out there that's not going to have some trouble with the Lakers when you're engaged like that. Speaking of Wood, one last point. He tried to drive by Mark and he tried to give him like a shoulder and like extend off <laughs> off off of him. And Mark just absorbed that the way that you, you know, I absorb an in and out burger. Right. It, it's <laughs> like, no, you're not you're not moving me at all. And then the next possession down after that miss, Braun just bully balls wood in the open court and and shoves him off to get a layup and it's and it's like oh okay well that was easy um but mike yes trez i did want to bring bring up trez it was about a week and a half ago almost two weeks now where he had the back-to-back sort of struggle games against the spurs and i thought trez has looked very engaged and active these last couple of games and there was something that has stood out to me in terms of his offensive rebounding and post duck-ins that show us like I feel like when he's really on his game because he's not getting the same opportunities in the pick and roll with this team that he did with the Clippers right he just doesn't have that natural partner we thought it might be Schroeder but they have not found their chemistry yet um so he's having to do a lot of work sort of on his own, right? Like, okay, you're going to give me a post up or I'm weak side. I'm going to duck in or I'm going to go after the offensive glass. And the last few games, I thought he's really found a rhythm. And this game, I thought he was excellent, man, with the way that he was um, shifting around from the dunker spot and then ducking either underneath the hoop, sort of like in a hockey way, right? With, like how you would skate behind the net or circling over the top in order to beat his man to to a spot i just wanted to open-ended for you guys like um pete let's go with you first it's part of the pressure on the rim thing i was talking about right and that was part of what was so exciting about this game is lebron didn't have a particularly explosive game i think he had 17 points and uh as you pointed out earlier we didn't make a ton of our threes only shot 34% and we still scored 120 points. And part of that is because of Trez's offensive rebounding and 
how every point of you've got LeBron attacking the basket. And so you've got, you know, kick out opportunities. And if someone shoots that three, but doesn't make it, or if Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder has a lot of Kobe assists where he will be three for 10 in a game. But two of those were like wide open tap-ins for Trez or somebody else. And so there are different points in which the putting pressure on the rim offers opportunities. And Trez has such a good understanding of positioning when he's really engaged and he's, he's so motor based, right. That I think the games like this where everybody's really locked in are good for him. Cause I think that when we're sleepwalking, he can, I mean, and that's true of everybody on the court. His game is just so much more dependent upon being like that spirit. And on top of all that, he's got great hands. He's, he got yeah. this one offensive rebound on the right side where he like caught it and cupped it and just guided it in off of the backboard. Mike, he's really showing a, a complete game around the rim that isn't just that ferocious power and dunking and screaming and all of that. There's a lot more to him than just that. Man, so there's two points I want to make on on Trez and the first one is just his the quickness that he has around the rim and it's really something that I think I I first noticed in person a little more if you're especially if you're sitting close and he catches the ball and then before the defender even knows what's up like the ball is on the rim he's so quick and his hands are so good and that to me is is a way that he gets ahead and I think we've seen that more of these last couple of games and then Pete what you just said about the his activity around the rim and offensive rebounding, that kind of stuff. We on the, the long Harold preview pod that we had. And if you guys want to go back and listen to it, cause I think especially Pete and Darius made some real good points on this. What was exciting about his fit in the team is that if everybody else is moving fast and that's AD, that's LeBron, that's KCP, that's guys like they did tonight, then Trez's speed and quickness to the ball is even more devastating. So I, you guys maybe maybe can help me make this point, but uh, and, uh, Darius, you can help me make this point specifically. If you're if you're out there and the, the defense has to be sort of constantly aware that everybody else is an attacking option and everybody else is on point, then the dude that is always going to be hustling, you you can't keep the sort of constant attention that that guy needs, almost like a spy on the quarterback. Like if you lose Harrell, he's going to come in and mop everything up. And, and I think that that's why uh, maybe these last couple of games, Harrell is even more impactful because that's his teammates are engaged and that's allowing him a little bit more space. If that makes any sense, Mike, it totally does. And look, man, he is averaging 3.2 offensive rebounds a game. Wow. His offensive rebound rate right now is 14.9 as a bench player. We had talked about like Dwight Howard, for example, last year and just all the like, tricks of the trade that he had as an offensive rebounder. And he was such a great hand fighter, right? Like if, if you were going to talk about Dwight Howard, I would almost look at him almost like Aaron Donald, right? Like in terms of in a phone booth guy, like I'm strong. I know all of the tricks. I've got good short area quickness. And so I can then get into your body and then I can like, swim move you or move you to the side with one arm and then grab the ball with with the other hand and Dwight was another guy who who had great great hands and, and so I thought Dwight last year was like a phenomenal offensive rebounder for these Lakers for quick context guys so Harold is was ninth in the league coming in uh, in offensive rebounds and everybody that that uh was ahead of him except for Cantor 
Uh, and Jared Allen, who's like a part-time starter, is a starter. So uh, just just yeah, for context. And so those are excellent rebounders right there. Other guys, and Cantor especially is like another strength guy. It's very similar to Dwight, right? Like positioning, right. like positioning based. Harold, though, if I'm going to make another football analogy, right? If if Dwight's like a interior defensive tackle, Harold's like a rush outside linebacker, right? So he mm-hmm. is. He is using quickness. He is like fainting inside and then jumping back outside of you. Like he's making you miss. He is like, he makes it, he lets you feel him and then he will step away. And then when you think he's where you left him, he's not. It's like for anyone who's ever had a baby who started to crawl, it's like your baby's no longer where you left them. And it's sort of just like, Oh shit, I got to <laughs> do something different now. Like I can't take my eyes off, off of, of this kid. But, but that speaks to your point. I got like a month there. We're, we're at a, my, my boy's almost five months old and he's already doing like the scoot. Oh so, yeah. yeah. It's about to be over, man. <laughs> yeah. It's about to be over. That's right. <laughs> no, there's a point where it's just like, Oh man. Like, but that speaks to your point, Mike, about like the attentiveness that you need to have on a player like that when his motor is really going, if you don't, if you don't have the sort of um, mental resources to apply to a player like that, that dude's going to eat just off of hustle plays because, okay, you can't have one eye on LeBron James, a second eye on, on Anthony Davis. And I guess unless you're Kyrie Irving and you have a third eye, then you can't keep that on Montrez Harrell, right? So you need to have a, a little bit of like, okay, like either I'm tracking Harrell and not necessarily up to speed on all of my defensive responsibilities, or I'm making my rotation and hoping that a guard is going to body him or he's not going to jump over the top of that guy. And I feel like that's how he's doing so much damage this year, especially on the offensive glass. Yeah, that's something that, when you talked about that all clutch lineup where all five guys are a threat and just after a certain point, the defense breaks, right? It, like even if you got uh, Caruso out there or Mark out there, they're not particularly potent scorers, but when you got five guys who can, if you give them the open shot and the type of shots that they are used to getting, they're going to eat off of that while still being able to be a, a threats defensively um that's something that second quarter lineup that where we made that huge run trez was a big part of that in large part because it's like okay lebron gotta worry about locking down lebron gotta worry about locking down anthony davis and then it from there it becomes we've only got so much left for trez and trez is capable we saw this several times in the post of just give him the ball and get himself his own bucket and when you give scorers of that caliber the type of uh, attention goes elsewhere buckets that they're not used to getting all of that often that starts to combine. And by the time you get to THT and KCP, all of a sudden you've got wide open shots and step in threes where feeder set and mechanics are all good. One last thing on Trez. One last thing before we wrap up, Um, I want to go back to the game before a pretty lackluster game against Chicago, but I thought we saw some of the value that he can have on the defensive end at the end of that game. Zach Levine had been cooking us. He ended up with 38 on the night. But there were two situations down the stretch of that game where Trez hedged high on a ball screen, and his only job was not to get beat outside leg, right? Meaning that don't let Levine go around you and go all the way to the basket, which he had done to Marcus Gasol a couple of times, especially in that first quarter in that game. 
and Trez hedged and he slid his feet and he turned and Levine pulled up for two pull-up jumpers that were open pull-up jumpers, but they're like 17, you know, 14 to 17 footers on in both instances where he pulled up and did that. And then the guard that was chasing him over the top gives a light contest on those shots. That to me was the first time where it was like, yes, that is where Trez can be not just like beating a guy to the spot to take a charge, but that's where he can be really useful even in a late game situation. So I just want to point that out because I was really encouraged by that. I thought you get similar stuff like that with Houston, right? Because you mm-hmm. you were going to have to play higher on the ball, especially against a guy like Harden. I think Gordon gives that same sort, sort of feel. And even a guy like like John Wall, while you're not going to pressure up high in order to contest the jumper come coming off the screen, you don't want a guy like him getting down well downhill quickly. So I thought you saw some of those same examples this game, Pete, where it's just like, oh, he is playing at the level of the ball a little bit more, and that's where he's going to be effective. Last thing to mention uh, for me is, so we, it was a late scratch for Wesley Matthews, or at least late when we heard uh, that he wasn't going to play because of a sore right Achilles, and then you know Dudley also out because of his sore left calf and all that did in this case was leave more minutes for Caruso and THT to play off the bench. We already covered THT extensively Caruso, uh, four boards, four assists, three steals, zero turnovers. You know, he, he ended up taking five shots. I was shocked that he missed a three. He was shooting like 56% uh, coming in, but it's just that, that kind of quality depth is a, is a true rarity uh, in the NBA. Typically, if you have a, uh, either a starter or starter caliber player go out, you just feel the ripple effects because it either affects your starting lineup or it affects your bench. One of those two things has taken a hit. And I, I truly don't think the Lakers take a hit unless LeBron or AD uh, miss a game. And that is incredibly valuable. And it's why uh, maybe the biggest reason why they are eight and three uh, best record in the league, despite really just kind of having their first all around really solid defensive effort tonight. Yeah, that was uh, a big portion of you know going into this season is that ability for a West Matthews to sit out for a game, right? A KCP to miss a few games. Same thing with Caruso, and really not skip a beat. And there's really not many teams around the league that are capable of doing that. So, really fun win, as Vogel said, an identity win. Curious to see how we come back. I suspect the next game against Houston is going to be a little bit closer. But it was great to see the Lakers kind of touch on okay. some of what they're able to do. Yeah, and, and could uh, yo yeah. Well, Boogie was a uh, you know had, had a little fisticuffs with Boogie today knocked a keep to the ground and lebron upside his head but uh yeah we're curious to see how that plays out in the next game but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time danger has got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy tips to magic worthy dies on his belly magic scores there's magic got it magic fires again and the lakers win the game the lakers win the game three seconds left A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. One. Missing. 
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.